Yo, what's up, everyone? It's your man, Mr. Fomer Simpson. You might know me from YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm about to go one-on-one with the one and only Don Drew. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the one-on-one podcast. I'm Don Drew. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Don Drew. My guest for episode five is one of the most authentic dudes in the sneaker game and has become a very consistent voice in that genre. He's a former professional basketball player, has a podcast, a clothing line, and his YouTube channel, Mr. Fomer Simpson, has more than half a million subscribers and amassed more than 82 million total views. Fomey will go one-on-one with me now to share his story. Well, we're here with Fomer Simpson, a uh, big YouTube star. <laughs> Formerly, I, you know where I want to start, Fomey? Let's start with, with, with your first video endeavor, the Vine app. Oh, wow. Let's go there. Let's, you know, because I think that's where we kind of got to know each other a little bit. It is. It is. Yep. yep. You know, we were, doing, we were doing the Vines. I was doing like the unboxings for Finish Line. And you were doing yep. your unboxing vines in the 10 second deal. And we made the yep. complex that top 10 complex list together. Yep. So that, it, what made you get into doing those videos? I think just um, try, we, we actually had already started our YouTube channel. It was small and vine was just kind of the new thing. So it's like, you know, similar to how TikTok has just popped up. It's like, there's always these different platforms are popping up and, we decided to jump over and do six second reviews and the response was good. So we kept doing them. And then one day vine was dead and that's kind of how it works. So now you said you had the YouTube channel before you started the vine. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, we had the channel up and running, but it was, it was small. And you know, as you know, YouTube back then, especially for sneakers, it's still such a niche thing. But back then it was, like a huge sneaker channel would be like 10,000 subscribers or something like that. Whereas now there's millions of subscribers. So we actually did have the YouTube channel, but Vine helped us, you know, kind of start getting some traction. So what, what made you go into V like, where was it for you when you said, hey, you know what? I want to start doing sneaker videos. Like at what point in, where were you in your life when you said that? Well, I was actually, so I, I play, some people know this. I played a little bit of professional basketball overseas and I had knee surgery. It was in 2012, I believe. And so I'm basically just laid up. You know, they, they told me that I couldn't even put pressure on my foot for like six months. It was, it was crazy. So I'm basically just laid up. And I actually, I don't know if I've told this story before. It's not a good story, but I was actually, I think, watching Call of Duty videos on YouTube and somehow it got recommended uh, a sneaker video and, and I wasn't a YouTube guy really you remember and whose whose video it was that it put you on to I, I think it was dubstep slap I don't I, know if you were no I never heard of it, it no. that, see that, that's what I mean yeah it, it was um and then I saw uh some DJ Dells and it was just I mean there was only a handful of guys doing it um and I was like, wow, I remember telling my brother, like, yo, man, there's people that do sneaker videos. Like, they actually, like, and we've always been into sneakers, so we kind of did it just fucking around. It was, wasn't like, that's going to be our new career. We just, we right. just did it. 
coincidentally, he had also had knee surgery. And so him and I were living together and we were kind of just chilling. So did you, does your brother play ball too? He does play ball. Yep. So was he playing overseas with you? He had just come out of college. Okay. So, so yeah, no, I was overseas. He had just uh, graduated from a school down here in Florida. Okay. And so we were, we were just living together and, you know, I had enough money saved up to where I didn't have to, you know, go run and get a job. I wasn't living luxurious or anything, but uh, we kind of just started it, not as a joke, but we kind of just started it as an outlet or a way to kind of pass the time. And it, it started to, you know, pick up and, and build traction. There was no way for us to know where YouTube and where sneaker YouTube was going to go at that point, you know? So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's worked out though. Right. When you were in, when you were in Europe, what made you, so you finished college, you're playing, I'm sure you play basketball there. Correct. Yeah. And then I guess there was no opportunities in the league. Right. So you took a, where in Europe did you end up? I was in Dusseldorf. Well, right out, I was about 40 minutes outside of Dusseldorf, Germany. Okay. Um, and I also played in Mexico and Chile as well. How long did you do so, that for? Almost four years. I, I mean, graduated college in 2008. And then so from 08 to 2012. And you can make a good living doing that, huh? I mean, you can make a great living. I, I'm not going to sit here and fake the funk. I wasn't, you know, making a great living. I was making enough to be able to come back home and live and, and pay bills and, and do that. But it wasn't any kind of, I, there are guys who make millions over there. I, I wasn't one of those guys. Like when I was in Germany, I wasn't in their top division. When I was in Chile, I was in the top division. They, they really actually only have one division, but in Germany, there's like four different divisions. So it was, it was a living, but it wasn't like anything crazy. Is it tough in a foreign country, not speaking the language? Like what kind of life is that? Is it, is it rough or do they insulate you pretty good? And, 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 make you pretty comfortable? I think it depends on the country. Uh, honestly, Germany is, Germany was cool. A lot of people speak English there. Uh, I had some homies who played in like Lithuania and, and places like that. Uh, Romania that was a little bit tougher, I think. Was a little more difficult language wise when I was in Chile, but it, it, it was cool, man. Honestly, for me, when I was in Germany, the biggest thing was the weather sucked and the time difference. You're like six hours ahead and, you know, you're trying to talk to your people back. You just kind of get lonely really more than anything. So you come home and, um, and you just kind of laid up, laying around, and that's, you start messing around with these videos. Yeah, start, start fucking around with Did with, you with take video videos. classes in school or did your brother, like, were either of you guys <laughs> handy with the camera? Because Not the production on your videos, I, I, I get it, you've been doing it for a lot of years now. But even in the beginning, your production was pretty good. I, I think it's everything is relative, right? Like it was, you know, my brother and I both were kind of, it, maybe it's the, the basketball side of things where like we're competitors, you know, like, like we like to be good at what we do, no matter what it is. So I think that we really tried to learn and I can remember him being up damn near all night just to edit like the beginning video slate like where it just introduced the sneaker so it's we've gotten better and better but when we started we were pretty bad now in 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 the early youtube days right i feel like and it's competitive now but not really the same kind of competitive like the big channels have really separated themselves from yeah. the group but there was a period of time there 
where there was a whole bunch of channels. Yep. All kind of lumped in together and and then New Jacks would jump on the scene and jump out and in and out. And and you guys were were in the mix. How did you how did you rise above that and sustain your your channel's growth? Yeah, it's 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 tricky because uh there was a lot of channels there for a while. I I think for us we just tried to outwork people, you know, and I mean, it's what we love to do anyway. Neither one of us has a, a family. So we don't have kids. So we were able to, to really kind of buckle down and grind on it. Once we decided that that's what we were going to do. Like we, we would take in the very beginning, we would do a video here, a video there. We would take a couple months off. It wasn't like a really set thing. Once we decided, Hey, listen, we can really turn this into something that's when we really buckled down. And I think that's why, you know, when you've seen different channels kind of, you know, fall by the wayside, it's because, and maybe it was their decision, but YouTube is something where it's like, what have you done for me lately? So if you're not producing content, producing content, producing content, then you're going to fall down. So we've just tried to keep getting better at what we do and, and more efficient with it and keep putting out good content and kind of letting the rest take care of itself. Do you ever get bored of the sneaker stuff? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it, it kind of depends. It's like, you know, we, we're to the point now where we do a video almost every single day. So there are times where, say it's a sneaker that we've, you know, the, the Syracuse Dunk that released not too long ago. I was excited about those. The Kentucky pair, I was like, ah, whatever. Right. But, it, it's like, you know, it's like a Wednesday afternoon and it's, you know, the, the only sneaker around. So we're like, all right, we'll make a video, you know? And, uh, and usually I communicate that in the video. Like, I'm like, listen, this is not a sneaker that I'm excited about, but people have been asking to see it. So, you know, whatever, whatever. But th th there are times and there are lulls. I think the fact that I do work with my brother makes it, there, there's not much boredom because we're, it's kind of, transcends the sneaker not to get like overly you know him and i just bullshit so we get to mess around down here at the workshop and you know whether it's a youtube video or the podcast there's enough variety i guess or the uncivilized stuff there's enough variety in our day-to-day and -day what we do that it doesn't really get to the point where we're like yo i'm just sick of this i don't want to do it anymore but there are lulls when did you realize that you could make a, a living and probably a good living making sneaker videos on the internet? Man, that's a really good question. I think it was when we had moved back to New York. So this was, this was probably, I want to say about like four or five years ago. And, you know, it was right around the time that we did that dare to air air max video and, right. That um, might be, by the way, that might be of all your videos, my favorite one. I think I, I said I, that to you before. I, I think it's probably my favorite too, just because it's New York city and I'm a New York city guy, but it's, that was, that was a video we got paid to make and we had a ton of fun shooting it. We were all over the city. We were in all different boroughs. We just had a really good time. And the response on it when we posted that video was was really, really good. We didn't, there was no trendy words in the title. There was no, 
there was, it was, I think we just called it dare to air. And it was the, the response from that, not just from, you know, uh, viewers and, and, you know, sneaker dudes, but from brands and even from people pretty high up at brands was, was so good that we were like, wow, man, we can really, really do something with this where it can be like, cause at that point we were, kind, we were making a living with it, but it was a shitty, li- it was, we were barely getting by, you know? And right. so, but I think to answer your question, I, I do think that that was kind of the turning point. That's, that's, that's dope. So you guys kind of at that point decide we're going to go all in. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to go all in. That's, that's actually the main reason that we moved back down here to Florida because New York City is just too damn expensive. And right. Money extra, goes way further in Florida. Way oh, further. man. It's crazy. Forget about it. Forget about it. I mean, you know, right now we got a 2,000 square foot studio. We got like, you know, 30 foot ceilings. We, it's a, I mean, imagine having a place like, it looks like something on the Lower East Side, but you'd have to pay, you know, 20 grand. And, you know, we pay a couple grand. So it's, uh, we moved back down here and decided that we were going to kind of go all in on it and really try to, um, create the the best shit that we could, and 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 so far it's been working out. When you guys were in the you know in the growth process, when when all those YouTube channels were kind of lumped together, right? Did it ever did it ever irritate you? Did it ever bother you that you were lumped in with with guys that were doing lesser work, or that you didn't think were as good as you? Uh, or- you know, maybe to some degree, you know, one of the things, and I know this sounds good, and I know a lot of people say it and don't really mean it. One of an ability that I have, or just part of my personality, I should say, is I really don't get too caught up in that type of shit. I don't get too caught up in criticism. I don't get too caught up. Like, I know some YouTube guys that a negative comment in the YouTube comment section, and they're, you know, pulling their hair out and you see guys on Twitter going back and forth and you won't really see too much of that for me because it just doesn't bother me enough. So there were definitely times where, you know, I think we didn't necessarily want to be lumped in with all of it, but at the end of the day, we're creating sneaker content. So we kind of are going to be lumped in with that. And what we do is just leave it up to the viewer to decide what they want to watch and who they're rocking with. And we kind of just kind of let things play out that way. What percentage of a channel's growth is due to the quality of the content versus the quality of the title and description? So what I mean by that is there are some channels that do to, you said it a couple of minutes earlier you know, taglines or buzzwords or things right. like that so that they're more searchable, right? Or they pop up more. Right. So, so what, what percentage would you say of a, uh, for a channel to explode or become a big channel is due to that versus guys just doing really good work? I, I think the really good work is pretty low on the totem pole. Um, you know, I, I think so you could be shitty and just tag it real good and be successful. Well, no, because the tagging it real good only goes so far too. What to me, the, the, the most important thing, if you're doing sneaker stuff is especially revolving around product, you know, 
is what do you have the product? You know, can you right get, like the, I, the, the most relevant hottest shoe out? Right, right, exactly. The truth of the matter is, like, if I have a pair of Dior ones right now, it doesn't matter if I film it on a potato. At, people are going to be watching it and sharing it and commenting on it and all of that stuff. So, I mean, if I wish it were just as simple as you know tagging a video or or a title, but I think that uh, the the YouTube algorithm is ever changing. Obviously, none of us know exactly what it is. I think that uh, quantity of uploads is is a big thing. So, doing daily content, I think, is a huge part of it. Uh, retention time and how long people are watching for the the click through rate you know so if you have a real clickbaity title then that's where that comes in and people are you know they see it and bang they click on it and YouTube right. factors that in okay this many people saw the video and this many people clicked okay it must be a good video so there are all kind of different factors I wish that good work was at the top of the list and those other things were below it unfortunately that's not the way that it is what kind of relationship do you have with the other sneaker YouTube guys? Do you, do you interact with them or do you view, do you not? Cause that used not to be much. a lot bigger. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was because, you know, it was almost like, you know, even now, like I remember the guys that I started with, it's almost like your freshman class, right? Like you in high school, like you remember the dudes that you start with, whether or not you rock with them or not. You and none of those guys, them. by the way, none of those guys are still relevant. Very, very few. There are a few guys like, uh, um, I guess Cousteau was just a little bit after us, but he was in that same kind of uh, wave. Uh, Tony D is another guy who kind of okay. started around that same time. But you're right. Yeah, most of those guys uh, have just stopped making videos altogether. Um, so... It's uh, what, what was the question you asked? I'm, I'm rambling here a little bit. No, no, no. It, it, I was asking about the relationships. Like, oh, that's right. Okay, have, the relationships. Is there camaraderie or any kind of relationships, whether it be whether it be a friendly one or a an adversarial one, with right. the, the guys in your space? For, for for us, you know, for me, for my brother, there's not much of a of a relationship with most of them. Uh, I, you know, we've got a really good relationship with Cousteau. Um, you know, there's, you know, Tony D is another guy that, you know, I, I kind of speak to off of social media, but there's not much outside of that. I mean, it's, it's cordial. You know, if you see them, we also don't really do like the sneaker events and we don't do a lot of that stuff. Um, Teddy is dope. You know, Teddy's a super cool dude. So th I would say there's a handful of guys that we interact with regularly. Uh, there's a few guys that we would consider friends and then beyond that, it's just, you know, we, we do the same stuff, but there's not really a relationship there. Do you think, and I asked Kais this question, his answer was a little interesting. I think it's probably gonna be very different than yours, but I'll okay. ask you anyways. Do you, do you think that there's legs and on it, meaning sustain, like, can, can you go long-term? And I know you don't do the goofy antics and, and the dumb shit he does. Right. But, I mean, what's the shelf life? Let, let me ask it that way. You know, that, that's a damn good question. And it's something that my brother and I discuss from time to time. I, you know, I don't think if it's anything I've learned in, in YouTube and social media, it's that you never really know. I mean, just look at the, this quarantine stuff. I, I mean, something can come out of nowhere and just 
completely derail what you're trying to do. So it's for that reason, my brother and I have tried to start building in other areas. We were building with the uncivilized thing. We got the podcast going and uh, because I, I, I really don't know. It, it's, 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 it's growing. Sneakers are growing and growing, but you have to think that there's an ebb and flow to everything. And I don't know how long it'll last. I, I really, really don't. You know, I, you know, I hope it keeps going. I also don't, you know, want to review sneakers for the rest of my life. We want to kind of graduate. And I, I guess our hope is that because we really are into like filmmaking at this point. Now, I know like you can't call a sneaker review, a, you know, filmmaking, but we'd love to do like more like we'd love to shoot a documentary. We'd love to start producing uh, some of the content that we produced on the Banana Stew Productions YouTube channel where, you know, we did, you know, a Chipotle hack and, you know, how to grow a beer. Just we, we'd like to do content outside of sneakers ultimately. Um, so, but as far as the legs go, man, shit, man, your guess is as good as mine. And what happened to the Banana Stew stuff? Are you still doing those videos or did you? It was just, it was, it was just, it was, we still have the channel. It was just, it was too hard to do it because, you know, the sneaker stuff is your bread and butter, right? That's paying the bills. And, right, and, and the demand is high. The demand is really high. So right. it's, but, but funny enough, we, we did very little promo on the Banana Stew channel. Very little promo. We didn't think about how we were going to title the video, none of that stuff. And some of those videos have like a couple million views. So although the sneaker demand is high, it's still such, and I think this is what people who deal with sneakers every day and, you know, regardless of what part of the industry you're in or, you know, if, if you're just a, a sneaker consumer or whatever, you can get so engulfed in that that you think like this sneaker world is everything and it's not. Like there's so much more, like there are so many more dudes who are interested in growing beards then give a shit what Travis Scott is doing with the latest Jordan one. Like they just don't care. So uh, I, I think that there's actually a much higher ceiling on YouTube channels outside of sneakers, but um, you know, it, it's what we've always done is kind of just uh, trusted our instincts and gone with the flow and tried not to force anything and kind of just let things play out the way they play out. How much of the product that you guys feature on the channel is purchased versus provided by brands or other entities? I would say, I mean, at, at one point it was, it was, it was all purchased and to the point where. Well, in the beginning, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're losing a lot of money as far as what you're spending on sneakers, you know, versus what you, what you're making. But um, I would say probably half of it is now I would say probably I would say probably, you know, because you figure we're doing, you know, five, six videos a week. I would say most of it is purchased, probably 75% of it. Now, now, now I don't keep it all, but right, right, I, would right. say, I would say probably 75% of it. So a new shoe's coming out. It's hot. A Travis Scott one. Uh, yep. You know, something along those lines that's just like, you know, it's going to be hot. You know, it's going to be high demand. You, you know that you need that product to get the videos that you want to get to get the right, attention right. to the channel. 
And you right. said earlier that the product drives it. What do you do in that spot? A brand hasn't sent you a pair. Gotta and go it's get really it. hard to get. Well, I mean, if it's, if it's really hard to get, then, then, then we pass on it, you know, or if it's, if it's. So um, you don't ever feel pressed like shit, we need this. No, I, I mean, I feel like, yo, we got to get that sneaker, but not to the point where I'm going to go spend double market on it or not like, you know, for my Travis Scott ones, that was a sneaker that I really wanted. I wanted it for myself, but I also wanted it for the video content. Right. And uh, I forget, I think I paid 700 for them, you know? So it's like, th there are definitely times where I'll pay resale for it, but I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to, you know, buy it or get it from somewhere that I don't trust. I'm, you know, it's so like, there are definitely uh, bounds to it. It's not like, you know, by any means type of thing. It's like, Hey, listen, like, you know, I mean, we miss on plenty, right? Uh, but there are so many sneakers out there. I mean, you know that better than anyone that there are so many sneakers out there that it's like, you know, and it's, you know, by the next day, by tomorrow, they're going to be talking about something else anyway. So if you miss one, you kind of just, you know, keep your stride and keep your rhythm and, and, and just keep going. And not to get too, not to get too nerdy into the, the sneaker stuff, but do you do or really to, into the business end of it, but Will you guys like break down a, a P&L of a video like, like, okay, if I spend 700 on this shoe and I make two or three, how many videos do I got to make so we're not upside down on the shoe? Is there any of that? Or it's like, fuck it, nah. I want this shoe. I'm just going to get it. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I mean, there's none of that. We don't break it down video by video. Uh, I mean, you know, we're making money and, and, and we're growing and we have, you know, different ways in which we make money and, and have income coming in. So no, I, there, there's never been a sneaker where, where I've done that. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe if I was going to spend, you know, five grand on a Dior one or something, I might do that. But pro but even then I probably wouldn't, I would just say, Hey, look, is it, is that worth it to me or, or, or am I going to pass? It, it, it's more so as simple as that. So what do you think what do you think the future, not just of sneakers, I know we talked about that, but what do you think the future of YouTube as a platform is? I mean, you know, it's really the only creator platform that hasn't had a major competitor come in. Because, like, if you look at, like, the streaming services, Netflix came on, right. and now and Hulu and, and all these other, you know, all Disney Plus and Amazon Prime Video and all these other streaming platforms came on. How has you, how do you think, I mean, you probably don't have all the answers here, but as a major creator on YouTube, how do you think YouTube has staved off, staved off the, the, the other creative spaces? That's actually a really good point. That's a really good point. And I've wondered the same thing at, at you know, at different points, you know, there, there really hasn't, you know, they kind of have a monopoly, they kind of have a stronghold on it. They got a monopoly. And so it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do get a competitor. I mean, you'd have to think it's only a matter of time because you look at the numbers that YouTube is doing. Right. You, you think that some, now they have a huge head start on whoever jumps in, but um, that well, would what be if like a Netflix, see. Like what if a Netflix just added a category? It probably wouldn't even take them much. Just add a sure. category right on there. I don't want to give them ideas because they're not just going to say. I was just going to say. If they added just a creator platform, that would right there cut into a huge piece of, of YouTube's chunk. It, it, it really, really would. And I, I think what you would see is you would see, you know, the YouTube creators just jump over there. 
So it's like, I mean, that, that's kind of what you see. You just see people jumping around and, you know, you know, building up Instagrams and okay, uh, Snapchat and now, okay, TikTok and, and, you know, back when Vine was a thing and whatever it is, you just jump to kind of whatever platform you see dividends from, you know, you know, whoever uh, it, it looks like is providing the growth and the audience, that's where you go, right? Because that's what YouTube has. YouTube, like absolutely that you get paid fractions of pennies. Well, that's kind of where I was going with the question was because, because they have a stronghold on the space, they can really squeeze you by the balls when it Big comes time. to what they pay out. Big time. They can definitely squeeze you by the balls and, and they do. It's, it's the only thing that makes it worth it is they've got that huge audience there. You know, so it's just like, it's, it's, it's almost like Amazon in a way that if, if you're selling a product on Amazon and you get onto that first page, it's just a runaway freight train. Like at that point, the audience is there. Like you, you're there, you're gonna be in front of the eyes. And so that is pretty invaluable. But it's, I would actually be excited to see someone jump in because I, I you know, I, I don't really care what platform we create the content on, we're gonna be creating it. So it's, but, but that, that's, that'll be interesting to see when that happens because it definitely will. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, you would, you, you would think. So, so what prompted you to jump into, I mean, listen, the podcast space now is like, there's everybody has a podcast. Everybody. Everybody. everybody in the and it's almost world. like, it's almost like weird to find someone who doesn't have one. Right. So what made you guys go from like, instead of doing your pod and posting the pod on YouTube and just furthering the content on the channel, what made you branch off and do an audio only component? Well, the, the, the podcast is, and we are working on getting video for it, but the podcast isn't sneakers. Like we almost never talk about sneakers at all. So it's not, I think one of the things on YouTube is you do have to kind of respect the audience that you've built, right? And if you build an audience on, you know, lawnmowers, and then you start showing them, you know, uh, violins, it's kind of like, yo, man, what the fuck? That's not what we came here for. Especially on YouTube, especially because I remember when we were doing the sit down, if we would have a guest on the sit down or a topic that was not sneaker related, they would go crazy, crazy. Forget about it. I mean, it's, 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 it's hardcore. So we wanted to start the podcast to kind of just uh, just another creative, fun thing to do. I mean, we're down here shooting the shit anyway and talk about everything that's not sneakers. To your point earlier, it's because sneakers, 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 it does get boring. I don't care how much you love sneakers. I love sneakers. Yeah. I have since I was a little kid. It gets boring. Very so, boring. It, and, and we are interested in other stuff. And I do think that the culture extends way beyond sneakers. It's sports and music and movies and food and, and all of that stuff. So that's kind of why we started the podcast. And T to be honest, the, we don't have as big of a following on the podcast, but for the amount of people who listen, it's, it's insane how, how good the feedback's been, much more so than the YouTube videos. Right. I found, too, that the podcast listeners tend to be a more positive bunch. That's, that's, a, that's a great point, yeah. I, YouTube, and I agree. The YouTube audience is a bit of a cesspool, it, especially it, it, in the comments. Be. It definitely can be. I think it does depend on what kind of content 
you are making. If you're making content, I think certain kinds of videos draw that type of viewer a little bit more, but nah, man, you're right. In general, YouTube comments is, is a pack of hyenas. Why do you think of, I mean, and there's trolls and shit talking and keyboard tough guys on every social platform, but why do you think the YouTube crew is so much more brazen and so much more vicious in their commenting than any of the other platforms? I think it's almost just become a part of the space almost like they feel like it's like their that's the job. YouTube culture a, a little bit. It, it, it actually is exactly what I was going to say. It actually has become a part of the YouTube, YouTube culture, which, uh, which kind of sucks in a way. But again, you know, for me, it, it, it's, that's not stuff that bothers me, you know, and, and, and for us, and I'm sure a lot of other guys, I, you know, the, the positive feedback that we get, is is so much more than the negative that it, it's it's never really bothered me at all. Have you ever had somebody comment or say something that just that got you? That like like yo, this dude really just said this. I don't. I, I not on YouTube, man. To be honest, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've, I've I've had people say, you know, you know, my mother's a whore, and I'm a piece of garbage, and you know, all types my of shit. God. And it's, I mean, a faceless profile, someone who's never, right. you're never going to see. If they did see you, the energy would most likely be way different. Yes. So it's kind of, I think for me, what would have a better chance to get under my skin or to irritate me would be if it came from someone who I interacted with. You know, if it came from somebody who I knew or somebody even that, that I considered myself friends with or something like that, and I right. saw them, them saying some kind of out-of-pocket shit or something out of left field, that I think would irritate me more than just some random YouTube comment. Gotcha. Let's, let's take a quick break. I want to, and I want to talk about the podcast a little more. I want to talk about the uncivilized stuff, and I, I'm, I can't let you off without talking about the pizza. Let's do it. All right. Are you bored? Looking for a fun investment opportunity? Consider getting into sports cards. The perfect way to start is by getting in on a case break with my good friends over at MV Treasures NH Case Breaks, New England's number one card breaking service. Just go on their eBay and bid on your favorite team and watch the live stream to see what cards they pull for you. Autographs, parallel variations, one-on-ones, all sorts of great hits. Check them out on Instagram and Twitter at MVTNH Breaks and on Facebook and YouTube at MV Treasures NH Case Breaks. The next break is live Friday night at 9 p.m. Auctions end at 7, so make sure you get your bids in so you don't miss out. All right, we're back with, with Mr. Fomer Simpson, my guy Foamy, uh, here on the one-on-one podcast. Um, and I want to talk, I, I, I want to talk about the uncivilized stuff because I, you know, I don't have any. Can but I, 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 I okay. I, I'm a, I, I'm like a, a a student of you know sales and the business and 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 maybe it's just the retail blood in me. And I'm seeing you selling out every drop. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 I'm applauding like I'm a fan. Like yo, like Foamy's doing his thing. So I'm like in the behind the scenes cheerleading. Like yo, this is dope. 
and it kind of came out of nowhere. Like you weren't doing merch until just recently. A couple years now. And then, and then year and a half, maybe talk about the growth there. How has that taken off? Yeah, it's, 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 it's been funny, man, because, you know, as a part of, uh, YouTube culture that we were just talking about, right? Like part of that is if you're a creator, you gotta have some merch, man, you gotta have the merch on deck. So we initially put out a t-shirt that said, Mr. Fomer Simpson, and it had, uh, the little logo, the baby the cartoon logo. Yeah. Exactly. With the, in, the, in the ready to die biggie pose, the little baby. Uh, and we put it on a white t-shirt and it fucking sucked. I, it, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a little cheesy. It was, it was super cheesy. It was super cheesy. And it was like, I'm sitting there and I forget how many, we might've sold 50 of them, but you know, I'm talking to my brother and we're talking and we're like, yo, that, that, that was corny, man. Like, like, him and I, like neither one of us are take ourselves so seriously that we can't admit when we've had a misstep or when something was corny or cheesy right. or whatever. So Right, right, right. And by the way, not every move hits. Just like exactly. not every shot goes in the hoop. Facts. That happens. Facts. Yep. Exactly. And so we did the t-shirt and I was like, yo, man, and we, you know, we were talking and we were like, yo, that's that's not it. Like that's not if if that's what the merch is. Like, I'm good. They can have it. And so then we kind of let it just chill for a little while. And we started talking more. And then we kind of came to the conclusion, like, yo, like, forget about YouTube merch. That's not really our thing. Let's try to create something that we would want to wear. Something that's dope to us. People, there's, sure, there are going to be people who think it's whack. There are going to be maybe people who like it. But let's create something that we think is dope and see if it resonates, see if it hits. And so we, we did uncivilized. We did it because it's, it's, it's kind of a, a word that I've used since the inception of the channel, but yet it's kind of a, I thought it was kind of a cool word. Even if you didn't know anything about what we do on YouTube, it's like, Oh, uncivilized. Oh, that's cool. So we, we went with that and we created a, a few hoodies and, and they were, the first hoodie that we did was pre-order and it, man, we, they, we were like, wow, it was, it just took off. And so we've tried to keep it going and, you know, we, we've, we've gotten a couple of cease and desists and, um, you know, some different shit that comes cease with desist it. Cease and from who? We got a cease and desist from Champion. When okay. We were, when we flipped the, when we originally flipped the, See? the, Champion logo upside down, the C upside down. They sent you a uh, cease and desist. Sent a cease and desist. So you'd already sold units, though. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that, that that's kind of how it works. I mean, you know, when you look at a lot of, you know, these different streetwear brands, and I'm not comparing us to them. I'm just saying they all get cease and desist. Um, it's just it's just kind of part of it. So we got the cease and desist, and and we never sold another um, hoodie with the with, right. exactly with the C flip. So. It's, uh, we just kind of, and honestly, it was, it was good. We started moving to other stuff and. Yeah, but and that's how other. you know that you're resonating. Ab absolutely. I like, mean, that if, was like if you're creating something that another brand, a major brand, I mean, Champion, whether you like it or not, they're a major brand. Absolutely. And if they're seeing it, they're noticing it, that means you're on the radar. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we definitely took it as like, okay, you know, like, like we got something here. And we just kept going with it. And, you know, now, 
I mean, we're, we're, we're really, really cooking with it and, and having a lot of fun with it too. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not doing cut and sew and, and trying to, you know, uh, pick out different denims and and a bunch of crazy shit. We're we're keeping it simple. We're keeping it authentic to to us and and who we are and where we're from. And, and we're just kind of rocking with it. Is that something that's going to evolve? Are you going to get into some of those more niche pieces? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's definitely something that I want to take to the next level. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, man. Like it's hard getting, like we wanted to do, the tie-dye hoodies that we did, we, I was begging my brother, like, let's find a way to do these, like, legit a year and a half before we did them, but we couldn't find them where they looked good. We, we uh, all the blanks that we found from all, like, the wholesale sites and all of that stuff, it, it all looked like souvenir gift shop bullshit. We went to a couple local wash houses. We didn't like what they gave us back. So we ultimately decided to do it ourselves. But, you know, when you're looking at doing. So you, you know, guys tie dyed by hand, all those hoodies, all every single one of them, just every single one of the them. two of you guys. Yeah. And, and, and really, it was really more my brother who did the actual tie dye. So he, he pretty much Dolo just was in the lab, just cooking them up. Now, when he's tie dyeing all the hoodies, at one point does he turn to you and he's like, "Foamy, are you gonna fucking help?" Or <laughs> he he turns to me once or twice a day and says that. But um, now, nah, but you know, you know, I have uh, a lot of stuff that I do, and and he has a lot of stuff that he does, and and he's good at what he does, and I'm good at what I do. So it's kind of the the same reason that that we were good on the basketball court together is the same reason that we're good um, at this thing together is because you know you know, my strengths might be his weaknesses and, and, and vice versa as well. Now, I, and I know you guys are close. Do you get to a point where you guys have had enough of each other? You know, you guys are, I mean, you guys live together, you're working together, you're doing all the projects together. I mean, is it like at one point, do you, are you guys just ready to kill each other or what? You know, you know, it's, it's funny because not really, you know, I mean, you know, we'll have a little disagreement here or there, but we've been so close for so long. It's every sibling dynamic is different, right? You know, like I know, you know, brothers and sisters who fight like cats and dogs and still love each other. That's just really not the kind of relationship we have. Like we're both pretty laid back. We're both. You guys have any other brothers and sisters or is it just the two of you guys? Now we got another brother and then a sister as well. And, and, and you're not as close with them as you are with each other we're we're just as close in one sense okay but as in you know like family's important to us we all grew up together we all grew up in the situation that we grew up in which i i think brought us closer together but as far as i mean you know my and you brother, grew up in new york grew up in 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 new york city primarily uh we moved what out part? to jersey hell's kitchen originally Okay. But I, I lived all over, man. I lived on 120th and 1st. I lived up in the Heights on 191st and Wadsworth. We lived in Queens for a little bit. We moved out to Jersey. Uh, you know, I mean, we, there was a, a point in my life where we, we moved into a trailer park in New Jersey and uh, because we got evicted uh, from our spot in New York and my, my, my pops was kind of trying to get us back on our feet. And it was a really, really small trailer. And my parents actually slept in a tent outside 
that you know that that's a real story swear to god so Yikes. so that probably plays into you know what you guys have going on now like absolutely. like because is part of your drive is probably correct me if i'm wrong but that you don't want to be there again 100% you know 100% I, you know i think that you know, anyone who, who comes from that. And, you know, let me also say that, that there are people who have it and, and had it so much worse than us. I mean, we had, you know, we had our parents and we had love and, you know, it, it's, we had a lot of really good things, but, but sure, money wise, we, we really, really struggled. And I think that, you know, there was, there was a time where we were living in hell's kitchen, basically in, in one room, we rented out one room and my entire family was on bunk beds that my dad welded together. So there's six of us. So he staggered them. So when you, when you sat up in bed, you wouldn't hit your head on the guy above you. So we had six bunk beds. And I think being in that type of situation, it, it puts the battery in your back. It, it gives you fuel for the rest of your life. Like even now, you know, years and years removed from that, it, it, it does still drive you. It does still motivate you. And it's just kind of like in the fiber of who you are that, you know, once you've kind of grown up in that. So how'd you end up in Florida? Uh, my mom had relatives down here and I was getting in some trouble. won't go into the details, but I was getting into some trouble in high school and uh, she wanted my brothers and sister to go to school down here. And so, and also the cost of living was so much less so she actually uh, bought a house down here and my brother went to high school down here. So I, I actually all of them did. So I, I'm okay. the only one who actually went to high school in New York City. Where'd you go to high school in the city? LaSalle on the Lower East Side, second and second. Okay, I know where LaSalle is. So, yeah, so, um, and then I actually played ball and, and went to a prep school up in Massachusetts as well uh, for my senior year, but it's, uh, so yeah, so, so they had family down here or my mom had family down here and, and it was cheaper. And so they came down and, you know, I would come and visit every now and then. And, uh, you know, now it's just, I mean, obviously Florida has its, its, its reputation and kind of rightfully so Florida man, but yes, yes, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the wild, wild west, but the weather is beautiful. Cost of living is cheap. Yeah. It's, you know, you got, we're right on the Gulf of Mexico. It's, it, there's, there's definitely some perks. So growing up with, with your family so close together in, in, when I say close, I mean both literally in close right. quarters, but also figuratively because you guys had to stick together to get through some of those challenges that you went through. Right. When you pick up and you go to Europe, was there like a separation anxiety for you? Like, like, or did, or maybe it was when you went to prep school, like at what point when you were away or was it like, Hey, um, I'm a little bit free. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy to be away and, and kind of shake some of that off. Yeah. Well, it's, I had already got a little taste of it because when my mom moved down here uh, with my other siblings, I stayed in New York. So I was like, oh, I'm not going down there. I was playing high school basketball, all that stuff. So I'm like, I, I, I stayed up there. And so I had already had a little bit of a taste of it, but it was a little bit difficult. I would say it was more difficult prep school wise because I basically went 
to this school up in Massachusetts that costs like 50 grand a year to go to. And now obviously the basketball guys are on scholarship. So, you know, there was a couple of New York city kids, you got some Chicago kids, you got some kids from Memphis, you got them from all over, but outside of us, it's, you know, it was the first time that I had been around a bunch of rich kids in my life, you know? And so it was, there was a little bit of a, and there was a lot of foreign kids there as well. So there was a little bit of a, a culture shock and a loneliness that set in out there. I think by the time I was playing overseas, you know, I had played AAU and I had played in high school, you know, you travel a lot, you're away. So it wasn't, it wasn't really a thing for me at that point. When, when you and your brother, like when you guys are doing your thing now, do you guys, is it a conscious thing? Do you guys give each other some space or are you guys, you know, just like pushing? And is there a time where he's working on something or he's editing something and you're like, you know what? I don't like that. And he's worked on it maybe for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we have some of that. I mean, is we definitely give each other our space we definitely, it's a mutual respect. So it's not like we don't really ever have things, especially now at this point where we're on opposite ends of something where we're so adamant that it has to be this way or it has to be that way. He kind of does this thing with, with the editing. There are, it, it's kind of an inside joke uh, between us and, and, you know, people who are close to us that I'm kind of like the nitpicker a little bit. I'm like, like things to be very particular in a certain way. So, you know, I'll tell him, Hey, like the audio doesn't sound good enough on that where he's kind of like the, the artist or the mad scientist who's like, Hey, this is what I created. Like, you know, this is what it is. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not changing it, but it's, there's never been anything that's been so concrete as far as what side we're on that it's been hard to work out like we usually just rap about it a little bit hey this is why i think it would be better to go this way hey this is why and we kind of just resolve it it really is and again i know it sounds good i'm not just saying it to say it it and i think that is why you know him and i are so lucky that we have someone you know it's like teamwork makes the dream work we can we, we just work real well together it's not and and i know that's rare to find yeah, definitely is. But, you know, you guys seem to have have like that good that good chemistry. Yeah. Especially even when it like you're like the in front of the camera guy, kind okay. of the face of it, your name's on it, and he's the behind the scenes guy. If you guys didn't have that good chemistry, there could be some jealousy or some you know, like like resentment maybe. 100%. And and I and honestly, I think that people expected that initially, you know, and I, even people who just know us, maybe, you know, that they might've expected that a little bit, but number one, he's really not that kind of dude. Like we joke around, like I call him the anti-hype beast in, in the YouTube videos, but he really is like, he doesn't care about followers. He doesn't care about how expensive a sneaker is. He kind of just, he's kind of like cool on a different level if i'm keeping it a buck like he just does his own thing he doesn't really care about what other people are doing he's just he's kind of like you know weird in that way but like in a good way but he just doesn't care so there's been so many times like he doesn't he's even told me like you know if he takes a 
a picture of me on Instagram. He's like, I don't, you don't, I don't want you to tag me in that. Like he doesn't, or you don't have to tag, like he doesn't, he's never looking at it from that perspective. And he also knows just how him and I have always been in the way we were raised that it's 50, 50, no matter what. So it's, it's always 50, 50. It's not like I'm going to try to, you know, blow up and, and dip on them or, or right. go get with someone else or go jump into a production company or go try to cash out a big, it's not Beyonce and destiny's child. Nah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, yeah, he, he just, it's, it it really is a a good fit between him and I. All right. So before I let you go, okay. There has been a lot of chatter about the pizza. (laughs) So, and I had based on the pod. I listened to that whole pod, by the way, I listened, I, I, I listened to him railing on New York City pizza day in and day out. The guy calls me. I'm going to tell you what happened. The guy calls me up. Random. It hits my phone. Drew, I'm in Brooklyn. Where should I go? So I sent him to LMB. Right. Now, which, is, which is your hometown spot. Like that, that's that's your spot. spot. I mean, look, I went to Lincoln High School. I, I spent my, my formative years in Coney Island. Yep. LMB is like, now. LMB is not a standard cookie cutter New York City slice. It isn't. But could you? I mean, it is not trash. It's 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 definitely not trash. I mean, based we, we got to have an intervention. First of all, l- let me also say real quick is based. Shouts to him, man, because he's done so much behind the scenes work and helped so many different people. When we were starting the uncivilized thing, I was on the phone with him and he was walking me through a lot of different things. So let, let me just acknowledge that and say and, shouts and, to him. And he, and, and, and he, and some people know, but he also for maybe a year or more was a behind the scenes guy helping to produce the sit down when we had that too. I remember and, that. And right. he was helping with that too. So, and he never asked for nothing in return. The only thing he ever asked me for was a fucking pizza recommendation. Then he shit all over it. (laughs) It's and, and, and that's where we, we got a, one thing that I've learned about, because people hit me up all the time too, about pizza wrecks in New York city. One thing is we got to go with them because there are times, even at the best pizza spots where maybe you get a cold slice, maybe, maybe sit down, you know, maybe by the time you Instagram it and, and, and you take a phone call and next thing you know, you're sitting outside and, and at one of the tables and it's, it, it doesn't hit like it's supposed to. So it's, I, I think for, we got to definitely, we got to get him a standard slice. We got it. Right. That's Chicago, and he never told me when he called me, he was like, yo, just send me somewhere. Where should I go? Where should I go? And it was kind of spurred a moment. Right. But he didn't say, listen, I'm looking for a, a, a gold medal standard New York city slice. Cause yeah. then I probably would have sent him to, to probably Patsy's. Yeah. I lived right around the corner from Patsy's. I mean, you know, I would it. say Patsy's, but right off the tip of my tongue, I was like L and B. And then I, and then I sent him to DeFara. And, and he didn't like DeFara either. No, he, he didn't like the Farrah. Now, he said uh, it was overpriced, which it is. And he, okay, said he waited 40, is. and he said, yeah, it is. Right. And he said he waited 45 minutes, which I understand. Okay. And, but the and slice? He said it was trash. He shit all over. Nah, nah, Defar is not trash. That's crazy talk. We, we have, all of it's crazy time. talk. LMB is not trash either. LMB is not trash either, but if, 
if, if you're looking for the standard slice, which I know he didn't uh, clarify that, but if you're looking for the standard slice and you get that, I could see where it would throw you off a little bit. And I do know from my own self that like you can, like I wouldn't put like, like if I name the top five pizza spots in New York City, I wouldn't put LMB. I wouldn't put them in there. Like I, th- I think it's a good slice. I've, I've, I've only been there a few times myself. I'm not a Coney Island guy. I'm not like why I'm not going that deep in Brooklyn just for a slice of pizza necessarily, but it's especially when I was growing up and shit, but it's, it's a good slice of pizza. But I I think right now scars now scars is not a place that's been around forever, but it's a New York city dude. And it, to me, that feels the most like, the slices that I grew up on. So scars is a great look. If you want like Prince street pizza is really good. If you want a square slice with pepperoni, something like that. But the, the problem with Prince. Have you ever is, had best in Williamsburg? Of course. That square yes. slice is really good. You know, I've, I've, I've never had a square slice from there. I had, I had a regular, I've had a few regular slices and it kind of is got like a little bit of a, uh, Neapolitan vibe mixed with the 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 standard New York City slice, so it's not like a right. classic New York City slice. It's not but, classic. No, no, no. But it, the it's, square it's, is the square is the square blows the regular slice out of the water at that place. Okay, so so I made the wrong decision. So yes, yeah, see, I've never been a Brooklyn guy, so it's like I've been to all the spots, but for me, like Prince Street is great, but it's also like if you go there in the summertime, it, you might have to wait again for forty five minutes or an hour. They got there's a line of hipsters down the block, you know? So it's, it's, that's why I dig scars because it's kind of low key. It's a little spot. Where is that? Scars is, uh, is right down in, I'm trying to think what street it's off. It's like right off Ludlow. It's right down in the village. It's, um, look it up real quick. It's, um, it's right down there. And I think it's only been around for a few years. I had a homie tell me about it. I want to say like two and a half years ago when I was visiting, I went and I was like, wow, this is really, really good. And I like it a lot. Patsy's, like you said, I mean, I lived right around the corner from Patsy's. It's, it's Orchard Street. It's 22 Orchard Street, New York, New York. So yeah, it's, it's right down there. And it, it's not far from Prince Street Pizza. I mean, you could hit both. You know, you could have- I, a, I love Patsy's. I've never had scars. You'll like scars. You will. Now, have you been up to New Haven? I have not been up to New Haven, but I have seen some New Haven talk on the timeline, which I haven't really been a fan of. So, so I lived in Connecticut for four years. Okay. And I will say the, the best pizza I've ever had outside of New York City is, is Frank Pepe's. In really? New it's fucking good, man. Does it taste really like, is, is it their own thing or does it just taste like it, a New York City? No, it's like different. That? It's different. It's, it's just really good. The crust okay. is thin, a little charred. It's, okay. it's fantastic. And then down the block on that same, I think it's Worcester Street, on the same block is Sally's, which is also fantastic. I prefer Pepe's. A lot of people prefer Sally's. They're both, okay. those two, it's like 1A and, and 1B. They're both fantastic. I would put them. You know, if I'm making a top five pizza places, they're both in there. Really? In there, yeah. They're, wow. New Haven pizza is 
deceivingly fantastic. Or Connecticut as a whole is much better pizza than Jersey. And okay. it rivals New York. I don't know if it's better than New York. I grew up in New York. That hurts so, me. So I will say now, now, Chicago pizza garbage. Is fucking garbage. Uh, atrocious. It's Terrible. atrocious. Yes. And I it's and bad. I went to Pequod's on everybody's recommendation, and that place sucked. Same. It was the same recommendation I got when I went to Chicago probably five years ago. I went to the one right that they told me to, right downtown, too, in the city. The original one. Horrible. It's just, it's not good, man. No, it's not. It's it's crazy. I I, I don't know. It's, I really don't know. It's it's a travesty that that pizza is even out there. But I guess if, I guess if you grow up on that, you don't know any better. I I don't know. I'm just, yeah, it blows my mind, man. All right, um, uh, before and before we hang it up, yeah, are, are the Knicks gonna figure it out? Now you're nah. a Knicks guy. I'm not. I, yeah, I know. It, you don't. It's, in, do you trust Leon Rose? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I mean, to an extent, but I mean, you know, as long as Dolan is there, it's just, just like you build winning culture, at, you know, you build losing culture, and I, I think that's what we have there. So. I mean, I wish I could not be a Knicks fan. I wish I could just be like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to jump over to Brooklyn. I I can't do it. That's one of the things that annoys me the most about sports is when people do that. It's just, I mean. I hate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, how how deep was your loyalty? You know, if you just switch sides like that. And then then how good, if, 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 if you jump, let's say you're a Knicks fan your whole life and you jump to Brooklyn and KD comes back and they win the whole thing next year, what are you going to do? You going to go to the parade? Are you elated? Are you going to f- – that can't feel as good. It, it definitely does. I, I think people like that watch sports a little bit differently. You know, it's not like – you know, like for me, growing up, like the Knicks, it, it was such a thing. You know, my mom is from Boston. So, of all places, I know. It's just terrible. But It's literally you know, maybe the worst place on the whole earth. I, I, I love my mother. I, I love her. But As you should. I, yeah, but I, I hate Boston. But I hate Boston. Like, I, I would grow up, like, growing up, like, I would, I would beef over it. Like, I would, I, would, I would fight over Nick slander or Giants slander or anything like that. Yankees, Yankees, Red Sox, like, Red Sox, I was ready to scrap. So yes, absolutely. It's it, it's kind of just it's it, it's I once you're in that type of fandom, it, it's like you know it, it's. Gang I see gang it though. I see it all over. I see especially on social media. Like like I'm fo- I'll be following somebody for years, eight nine years. I'm following <laughs> somebody, and they're a fan of one team, and all of a sudden they're it's the playoffs. They're rooting for a whole other team. How the fuck do yeah. you do that? Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I don't know how you do that. That drives me nuts. Yeah, man. Death Knicks are, the Knicks are tragic. Which is a, a more way begone franchise, the Knicks or the Cleveland Browns? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. I mean, even from the, the shitty Brown unis. I mean, you know, the Knicks, it's still Madison Square Garden. It's still New York City. Right. It's, it's, still, the, it's still the Mecca. I don't care what anyone says. Now, obviously, with having the Nets over in Brooklyn, I think that's taken some of the, you know, some of the um, power away a little bit as far as that goes. But – it, it, it's still the Knicks, man. Like the Browns. Come on, man. It's the Browns. I, they, they're terrible. Terrible. Right. All right, Fomi. Listen, you know what? I'm really happy that 
we finally got this in and people can actually hear it because you know the 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 phantom interview from a couple of years ago we did the lost tapes the lost tapes and 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 that was a a based production as well it was really the only time you let me down honestly (laughs) but um we were trying something different and and i was really proud of that i thought it went really well and i thought it was super entertaining and i thought people would really like it and they didn't get to hear it unless unless they were listening live because we were live at that point yeah but I'm, i'm i'm i feel good about this one and i'm happy to get this one out and i'm really appreciative that you took the time to do it. I know we have, we all have a little extra time these days. We do. We do. But, yeah, um, no. I, I appreciate you spending it with me. Likewise, man. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, and I'm so glad to see you up and running with this uh, one-on-one thing. I think it's dope. Uh, appreciate I think, it. I think you're dope at it. And, and thanks so much for having me. Oh man. I appreciate that. It's all love. Thanks. Uh, Later, yep, bro. Yep.